Love Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. It's just going to stay there. Amen. Because the sun never quits shining because the sun is the light and the sun is Jesus. Amen. And I'm thankful that he redeemed me by his grace. I'm thankful to be his child this morning. I'm thankful to be here with the rest of his children. Amen. Not the rest of them, but part of them. Amen. Glad you're here. Got people out this morning, and we need to pray for them. Uh, we need to remember to pray for Scott in prayer and lift him up and pray that God heal him. Pray that God gives him a good day today. Pray that God gets him stronger, and he gets stronger and stronger toward his healing. And uh, need to remember him. Need to remember uh, Erica this morning said they wouldn't come. Uh, Jack's going through sleep regression or whatever and didn't go to sleep after midnight, so pray for them. Um, I'm trying to think who else we got. Uh, Mary, pray for Mary. Pray for Richard. Pray for that situation. We've talked about that. Pray for Dan and Anya and, and both of the, both their conditions. Pray for who else? Your your my niece. niece. I keep wanting to say daughter-in-law, but I mean niece. Okay. All right. All right, niece and sister-in-law. Anybody else? Unspoken. Unspoken. You well, got Thank everybody for the prayers. So he had back surgery, and it's doing wonderful. Well, praise Amen. God. He said, "Tell everybody he said, thank you for praying for him." Amen. I seen him this weekend. All he's really getting up, walking good. Amen. That's great. Praise God. Yeah. He could not do nothing. God's prayer answer. God's a, God's a miracle working prayer answer. Yes, he is. Anything else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. And now, y'all know I'm dealing with stomach issues and whatnot, so y'all please remember me in prayer, especially while I preach. But I appreciate you pray I can get over this because I'm tired. Of, I've had it a week. I'm, it's like a house guest. I'm ready for it to leave. You know, been around too long, but anyway. So let's let's pray that God that God answers prayer and, and all these things get tended to. Somebody pull up. Cold. Okay. Okay. Cold. Okay. Scott. Wow. Okay. You may you may all go out there and grab an arm, Stephen. He gets to the door. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask God to uh, to bless us and meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us. Amen. Amen. You be seated. Turn to 341. Let's sing Victory in Jesus this morning. 341. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a rest. 
Jesus, 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 sweetest name. 
find a solace there. Amen.
God's not going to do that. I don't have that impending fear or doom in the back of my mind that I, ooh, I didn't do it just right. Because all I had to do, my friends, it wasn't 600 and something laws I had to keep. All I had to do was admit I couldn't do a thing. That's all I could do was admit I couldn't do nothing. And when I understood that I couldn't do nothing about my sin, I came to the one who, only one who could do anything about my sin, and I put myself in his mercy, and I said, Jesus, please wash my sins away. And he said, gladly, that's why I died for you. Amen. And he washed my sins away, and I've got liberty now in Jesus that I didn't have before. Amen. So we're talking about that liberty this morning. So let's go ahead and read. We'll read verses 13 through 18. We'll pray, and we'll get into the message. It says, for brethren, Paul said, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I love you. I'm so thankful to be saved. I'm so thankful to be your child. And, Lord, as I come to the Word of God this morning, I need fresh breath from heaven. I need a fresh breath of heaven on me this morning. I need your hand on me, Lord. I need you to use me. Father, I know that I know that the Word of God needs to be preached. Lord, it needs to be told truthfully. Lord God, I pray this morning you'd help me, Lord, I, that you'd take control of my situation, Lord, that my thoughts would be on the message and not on my physical uh, condition, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you please would help everyone in this room, Lord, that we focus and get the message today, Lord, not just everybody in this room, but, Lord, everybody that's listening through Facebook, through Blog Talk Radio, and, Lord, whatever format this, this message finds its way into, Lord God, it ain't going to return unto you void. We know that. So, Father, we're thankful, and we ask you please to do a work in our hearts today as only you can do, and we'll give you praise, and we'll give you glory for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Praise God. So the message that he gives to them this this morning, I want to just these these two thoughts. First, the first thought I want to share is is he's telling them, y'all don't bicker and argue and fight with each other because that's not, the way God designed for Christians to act. God designed for us to love one another. We're to be we're to be uh, a people who love one another. We are to have a deep concern and compassion and love and, and affection one for another. Amen. So we're going to look at that this morning. Verse thirteen, he says, "For brethren, he said, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use liberty. Use not liberty." For an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we've been called unto liberty. And Paul has made this point over and over and over and over again that the Christian life is a life of liberty. Like I said just before I prayed, 
Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. He didn't come to put us in bondage. Amen. He didn't come to keep us in bondage. He didn't come for us to, to, to get saved and lose it and go back into bondage and get saved and lose it and go back into bondage and lose it. I mean, God, that is not how it works. That, that may be how some denominations like to keep people in fear and intimidate them and keep them in the church pews, but that is not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what God would have a preacher preach. Amen. The truth of it is there's liberty in Christ. And he came to set you free. He came to set them free. And, you know, and the sad thing of it is if, if you went around and you asked random people if they saw Christians as people of freedom and liberty, you might be surprised at the answer you get. They'd probably tell you, you know, Christians are some of the most uptight, stuck-up people I've ever met in my life, and they're probably not very free. And the sad thing is that's what, most, that's what a lot of people uh, show to the world because they're not living in the liberty that God has given us. There's a lot of people who live like they're they're under the law. They're Christians, but they live like they're they try to live like they're under the law. They're scared to death. They're gonna mess up. They go to hell. It's because they don't understand eternal security. First of all, they don't understand once saved, always saved. If you ever got your head around that, you, it, it sets you free. Amen. It, you, you, the joy will come flooding in when you finally get a grip on the fact that it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with what he did. Amen. So there's a lot of people who who live in that in that set of circumstances. But then there are those people who are trying to live under the law, and that's a whole different matter. We talked about that before. But, but you know, the Bible tells us very plain in John eight thirty six. Jesus said, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. This is real freedom. This is not freedom the world can give. This is real freedom. And Paul wanted them to stand fast in this liberty wherewith Christ had made them free. But he would have them to be very careful that they didn't take this liberty that they had and just run wild with it. He wasn't. He was making sure that they just didn't just assume. Well, you know, I'm saved now. I can do whatever my heart desires. I'll just do whatever I want because I ain't going to hell. Now there are people who take that attitude. Usually, those people don't understand grace very well. Okay, and usually, a lot of times, it's people that ain't saved that are talking bad about somebody who is. I heard a preacher say this one time. It was, it was Mama's preacher, Brother Charlie Warren, and I don't know where he got it from, but he, he somebody said, well, if I believe like you do, then I'd sin all I want to. And he said, I do. I do sin all I want to. I sin more than I want to, actually. Amen? And that's the attitude a Christian ought to look at. Any is too much. Amen? So I do. I sin all I want to. I sin way more than I want to, and I want to, I want to get that under control because that hinders my walk with God. Amen. But again, we're not we're not set free so that we can go and live as though we weren't saved. He wants them to be careful not to do that. Uh, he's making sure that they didn't just assume, well, now I'm just doing whatever my heart desires. So he says, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And he didn't want them to use their their liberty as an excuse to indulge themselves in any sinful actions and practices, and particularly things that might create distance and division, and, and, and be the reason for contention between them. Now, you save, and, and, and as, as a saved person, well, let me give you an example. I don't smoke cigars, but y'all know the name Charles Spurgeon, right? Charles Spurgeon used to smoke cigars. Did y'all know that? He was a big cigar smoker. Most, a lot of people don't know that Charles Spurgeon smoked cigars, but 
He did. And uh, he, he used to get done with his sermon, and he'd say, all right, God bless, I'm going to go home and smoke a cigar to the glory of God. And that was what he did. But, you know, and, and he didn't have a problem with it until he walked past the cigar store one day, and he saw a sign in the window that says, smoke the brand that Spurgeon smokes. And God smote his heart about it. He said, I don't want people smoking cigars because I'm smoking cigars. <laughs> Again, he had liberty, but, and and I'll be honest with you, if he went back in his study and smoked a cigar and nobody ever knew about it, it probably wouldn't be no big issue. But the fact that it was, he did it out in the wide open in the public, and, and people saw it, and they were drawn to it. They said, oh, he's got that kind of liberty. I'll just do it too. I remember here reading about one instance where he, uh, they had a school, they had a prophet school over there, and they had some gathering early one morning on their campgrounds about 8, eight o'clock in the morning, and they rolled out there, and, and, and the men were all in their, you know, they dressed in their finest, you know, they were, they, it was England back in the 1800s, you know, and they're all dressed in the nines, and they get up in the stands and, 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 and looking at their pocket watches and with their top hats on and whatnot, and, and, they, and they're all pulling out their cigars and cutting tips off of them and lighting them up. Virgin walks out. He said, a little early in the morning for cigars, don't you think, gentlemen? And they all went to putting them out and everything. He pulled his out and lit it up. <laughs> he was trying to show, you know, your, your liberty here is very shallow. <clears throat> Listen, well, I'm saying all that to say this. We ought not hurt other people with liberty. You understand what I'm saying? We ought not hurt other people with our liberty. Um, the the point the point is is that it is, we ought to serve one another through love. That ought to be our motivator. It ain't like I can do anything I want to do. I'm saved. I ain't going to hell. That's not the attitude. It's I don't want to hurt you and offend you so that you quit walking with God. So I may have liberty that you know, hey I want to smoke a big stogie up in here. I'm not going to. Hey, listen. I'm not going to, but I'm saying if I did, I sure wouldn't want to in front of you and cause you to look at me and go, well, I don't want no part of what he's got. I don't want to cause division. I don't want to create division. I don't want to be a reason for contention between you and I. Amen? And and so, and, and that's that's what Paul's saying. Let's don't, let's don't be sources of contention between each other. Let's maintain mutual love. Let's maintain mutual concern for each other. And and listen, and without without minor differences between us, mutual love and concern will be there between brethren. Christianity acts with mercy. Christianity acts with grace. And our liberty, so I knew what I wanted, but our liberty can't be Christian if it stands in the way of mercy and grace in somebody's life. It becomes selfish. It becomes it becomes something that God never intended for us to to uh, enjoy in that way. Because again, I'm not again. Don't 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 take me wrong. I'm not promoting anybody smoking cigars. I just pull that out as a random thing. I don't want you smoking cigars. Okay. Not that anybody in here is probably going to go out and buy one after church, but I just don't want you to. Okay. All right. All right. So it's bad for you. But uh, point is. <clears throat> The liberty that we enjoy as Christians, it's not a carnal liberty. It's not a lustful liberty. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's over. That's done. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. But understand, he has not redeemed us from the obligation of the law. 
That means we're not to throw the Bible out and say, well, you know, that's all Old Testament. I don't have to worry about none of that. Well, thou shalt not kill still back there, ain't it? Thou shalt thou shall not uh, steal. That's, that's in there, too. Amen. That, that part about committing adultery, all that. This, all them commandments are still in there. It's still good for you. Amen. It's still good things back there. The Bible said those things were written for us for examples. Amen. We're not supposed to throw it away. We're supposed to continue to look at the law. God didn't destroy the law. When Christ came, he fulfilled it. He didn't destroy it. God still feels the same way he feels about it, but Jesus fulfilled it, you understand. He hadn't freed us from the obligation. The gospel is a according to godliness. What God calls a curse is still a curse. Jesus down on the cross didn't change or curse things into blessed things. Abominations are still abominations, and we're supposed to see them that way. Sin is still sin. Jesus died didn't change what those things are, and, our, and it didn't change our view toward those things. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Listen, the law promotes godliness. Can you keep it? No. You can't keep it, and should you try to keep it in order to in order to please God? No. Christ kept it for you, but we are to honor that godliness. We are to live our lives and, and pattern them after godliness. The Bible said if any man teach otherwise, he's proud. And he, don't, he knows nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. Envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. So if you try to get away from the grace of God, you try to do it any other way, you're going to wound up full of pride. You're going to wind up thinking you're better than everybody. You're going to argue with everybody. You're going to be jealous of everybody. There's going to be a bickering and a fighting and a carrying on everywhere you go. The Bible says perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. You know that every time uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland gets behind his, his, his seafood lectern and gets up there and does all his weird stuff, he probably thinks he's right. He probably, he's probably convinced himself that what he teaches is right. That prosperity gospel stuff. Every time Joe Osteen gets up and gives off his his false nonsense, I'm sure he thinks he's right. I don't know why anybody would get up there and say something they thought was wrong. They probably truly believe that they're right, even though that even though what they're teaching is, is straight out of hell and won't save a won't save a chigger. But but still, they they believe it. They do. They wouldn't be up there doing it, and, and they're destitute of the truth. Bible says, supposing gain is godliness, and the Bible tells us what to do with those kind of people. From such, withdraw thyself. Don't have nothing to do with them. Don't watch them. Don't say, well, he says some good stuff. Well, I wouldn't filter through the garbage to get to the nugget of, tiny nugget of good stuff he's got. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. God is not for us. Listen, we got liberty, but that don't mean we just think anything we want to do. We do anything we want to do. We act any way we want to act. It doesn't mean we're just free to be a let our brain fall out, you know? Listen, listen to what Peter says in First Peter two, sixteen through seventeen. He says as free. We're free. He said, and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. 
So he's telling us what we ought to do as believers. We ought to be honorable people. Honorable people do not deceive people. He said, don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. Don't pretend to be goody two-shoes and then in the back room you be all kind of evil. Don't be, what is that called? That's called a hypocrite, ain't it? God tells us, listen, you got liberty. Don't take that liberty and, and put yourself back in bondage with it. He tells us, listen, you need to live freely and you need to freely you need to freely serve the Lord. You need to freely honor men. You need to freely love the brethren. We need to freely fear God. You need to freely honor the king. He said we're, we're warned against taking that liberty that we have in Jesus as an excuse for sin. Oh, I can do what I want to. I ain't going to hell. I've told you about people. Uh, as a young man, I don't know where he lived. I think he's in Sherman now. He used to be. We, we homeschooled him. He was part of our homeschool group. He now claims to be an atheist. He not claims to be. I mean, he, he gave a profession of faith in, in church over in Paris. He actually, one Sunday, said he was called to preach. And now he claims to be an atheist. But he says, he has a caveat. He says, but, you know, you, you preach that one saved, always saved stuff. He said, and, and I prayed that prayer, so according to you, I'm saved, so I'm covered. How much faith you got in that boy's salvation? <laughs> I ain't got none. When I got it, it was settled. Amen. When I got it, there wasn't no throwing Jesus away. There wasn't no tossing Jesus out because I didn't like the way my life went. I'll tell you, it's dangerous. And he ain't the only one. I've heard of others who've said the very same thing. Well, you preach that at once saved, always saved stuff, so I'm covered. I, I, I just, I mean, and I, again, I don't, I don't know if they got saved or not. But I know, and I and I know it's easy. It'd be easy for me to look back at my life and say, "Well, Brandon, there was a period of time where you were around buck wild for a while." But even during that time when I was running wild, if you had asked me, "Do you know for sure that you're saved?" I'd have had to admit, "Ashamed." Yes, I know I'm saved because Jesus died for my sins, and I've trusted Him as my Savior. I would have been ashamed. I'd have been under conviction if you'd have asked me. Nobody asked me during that time. That's why I didn't get all convicted about it. But as you asked me. I would have told you the truth because there was no denying that he had saved me. I was just living like the devil. I had liberty, and I was misusing my liberty. But the Bible says, use not the liberty as a cloak for maliciousness. The word rendered maliciousness here is kakia. The Greek word kakia, it means, it means more than our word maliciousness means. It points to evil of any and all kinds. The word maliciousness refers it refers to animosity, to ill will, to desire to hurt somebody, to injure them. And so God is saying, don't use your liberty as an excuse to do somebody dirty. Don't use your liberty as an excuse to take advantage of others. We we're to use our liberty in Jesus to show the kind of love and respect that Peter calls for there. Christian I'm just gonna say it. Christian liberty is a million miles away from giving the least little tiny speck of blessing to sin. It's furthest thing from that. It puts us under the strongest obligation to avoid sin and not only to avoid it, to subdue it in our own life. You be the master over the sin in your life, not the sin in your life, be the master over you. God wants us to walk in holiness before him in the liberty that we have. We're not in bondage 
beat down and, and cowering under something. No, we've been set free. So we're to take that liberty and live in it, exercise it, get the most out of it. All right, secondly, just because we can stand fast in our Christian liberty, we ought not ever let it harm our Christian love. Never let it harm your Christian love. Just because we got liberty, we shouldn't use it as a reason to fight and argue with our fellow Christians. You know what? Sometimes we may we may we may be thinking differently about things that aren't uh, necessarily fundamentals of the faith. Maybe we got a different view on something we read, and we're not quite sure about it yet. On Sunday nights, I've been going through Genesis. Uh, the other, a couple Sunday nights ago, I. I dealt with something called the gap theory. I don't know if any of y'all know what that is. I mean, some of y'all do. You're in here. But it's it's a supposed gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, whereby people believe that that's where the world actually, uh, it, it was it was here before and it was destroyed and God made it again. Now, I don't believe that. But I got good friends that, that some of them do. And you know what? I, I, just because of that, that I'm not going to be ugly with them. I'm going to continue to love them even if we disagree on minor things because you know what? That doesn't change grace one bit. That doesn't affect the grace of God. doesn't change what Jesus did on the cross. We can, we can have different views on things. We can have different views on end-time things, and that's not going to change grace, you understand. That ain't going to change it at all. And, and, and these, these things, you know, again, these things can, can, they can mess up our, our attitude toward each other if we're not careful. And, and God wants to... God wants us to love one another. He doesn't want things to come between us like that. He wants us to to be able to say, you know what, brother, you we may not see the eye to eye on it, but I look. There, that our love ought to overrule our liberty is what I'm trying to say to you. Um, there's a message that I heard years ago uh, by Dr. Curtis Hudson, real good message called "Die Fight and Fuss," and he the the message he was saying, you know. There are some things that I will die for. There's hills I'll die on. You know, salvation by grace through faith, I'll die on that hill. King James Bible, I'll die on that hill. You know, there's, there's things that, that, I, that, I'll, that I will stand and fight to the death for. But, but there's also things that I'll fight about. It's, uh, you know, there's certain Baptist distinctions that I, that I might fight for. But, uh, but, but, you know, I wouldn't die for them. You know, I mean, I'd fight for baptism, but I'm not going to die over it. Amen? Because you know what? You go to heaven never got baptized. Now, you won't be obedient, but you can still go to heaven not never been baptized. But I'm not going to die over that. Eh? And, you know, and there's some things that ain't even worth fighting over. Might be a little fuss here and there, little, 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 little few words here and there, but they ain't worth fighting over. Right, so there's levels of things in our life that that we some things we just absolutely ain't gonna give on. Some things we we might we we'll grumble on, and some things that we might not grumble that bad at all. But you know, we're to pick our battles as a Christian. Why? Because those battles affect people's lives. Those battles affect people's walk with God, and so we need to be careful in the way we conduct ourselves. And and Paul he, he attempts to persuade these Galatian Christians of this, and and. And he gives them two thoughts here for this purpose. The first one is that, is that God is love and his way is loving. Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All the law is fulfilled in one word. 
Love is the sum of the whole law. You know, the Bible says God is love, right? So love, if God is love, then what comes from God is love, and love is the sum of the law. People look at the law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That don't sound like love at all. That sounds like a bunch of do not list. That's a, that's a do's and don't list. But that's not the way it's written. Those are our duties toward God and our duties toward man. And duties, duty is born out of something. Duty, why, why, does a mother, why does a mother get up and take care of her child? It is her duty, but her duty is born out of love, right? And our duty as Christians is born out of love. Love to God, it comprises the duties of the first four commandments. Let me turn over there in, 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 in Exodus chapter 20. I know you all know what they say, but it won't hurt you to hear them again. Y'all ain't got nowhere to be for a few minutes anyway. All right. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God saying you to love me and only me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. He doesn't want us to have anything. Uh, he doesn't want us to, to worship any other god and have no other god, and he don't want us worshiping anything except him. All right? And he said, Thou shalt not bow down themselves to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children of the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto them, unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And then he said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, so all those commandments are are focused on God and our love and our attention to paid to him and and uh, Paul is not focused on the first four. He's focused on the last six. The last six focus on the love to our neighbor. Okay? And and I'll go down through them. Honor our father and mother. Honor thy father and mother, the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So, again, Paul focuses here on the last six because what he's talking about is their behavior toward one another. And he uses this as an argument to persuade them to love one another. Okay? It, it's Loving our neighbor is a commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we use that as a barometer, you can judge somebody's walk pretty good. Does this person love God? Can you see it in their life? Do they love their brother? Can you see it in their life? If you can see that in their life, guess what? You've got a pretty good indicator that they have a decent walk with God. But if they don't have either one of those things evident in their life, you get a pretty good indication. There's something wrong in this Christian life here. Because if we, if we are a Christian, if we're what we ought to be, again, we are free. We are 
free from, from the law. We are free in Jesus. We have liberty, and we are free, and we have the love of God in us. We are free to love, and we are to love him back for what he's done for us, and we're free to love one another and show them his love. So you want to know somebody you want to know somebody if somebody's a believer just watch their life just watch do you see any of these fruits in their life we're going to see the fruits of the spirit here shortly probably next week but again this is a good barometer to use and and loving god and loving your neighbor you do both of those two things again that's why he says that's why he said on those two on those two commands saying all the law and the prophets if we love god and we love our neighbor It'll get rid of all the dissensions, all the divisions that are among us. It's impossible to love God and love your neighbor and be all hostile on the inside. You just can't do those things at the same time. Why? Because once you get yourself straightened out and your heart straightened out on on how to love and who to love, it's hard to hold on to bitterness. It's hard to hold on to hostility. It's hard to hold on to hard feelings when you're loving somebody. You just can't do that. Amen. So God, what, what Paul is telling them, he's saying, look, we need to we need to stand fast in the liberty and enjoy the love of God and enjoy the mercy and the grace of God and and reflect that back to God and show that to our fellow man and not get so caught up in the, in this in, in this following people who are trying to get us to, to to follow after a set of rules and guidelines that could never save. It's a waste of their time and it's a waste of their eternity. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? If you have love one to another." So again, what I said, it rings true. If we love one another, we'll root out the complainers. Love covers the multitude of sin. I mean, if we look here, if this church, if this church, if we focus on, if we focus all our attention on loving the Lord with everything in us. And we focus the rest of our attention on loving everybody like we should. It wouldn't be nobody complaining about that. Everybody, be, everybody be tickled to death about everything going on in their life. Why? Because they got they got love. They got the right kind of love flowing into their life. And you know what? And what else that'll do? It might also keep somebody from going to ruin. Because if 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 everybody around you is encouraging you and loving you and showing you the love of God, it's hard to go astray in that situation. Amen. It's just like it's just like it's hard. It's it's possible to go wrong from a good Christian home, but it's hard to because all the roadblocks are there in the way preventing you from going astray. Amen. And, and, and every church ought to be full of God's love. Every church ought to be full of the compassion of Christ. Amen. Every church ought to every church ought to be a welcoming place to come into where you can find help and love and mercy. But the truth of it is, that's not the way it is with everybody. And he addresses that in verse 15. He says, but, in, and, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Biting and devouring. That reminds me of a pack of wild animals. But that's the way a church can act when it uses liberty as a platform to promote selfishness. And you say, what in the world do you... I, I've seen this happen. I've seen a situation where the youth guy turned the youth against the preacher. I think I've told you about this, but I'll tell you again because I like to tell stories over and over. But uh, but no, years ago I was in Union Baptist Church and, and 
Ralston, Arkansas. And I can tell these names because none of y'all know none of these people. And uh, Pastor Joe Brown, good man, love him to death. And there was there was a youth guy that was there when when I got there, and his name was Jonathan. I won't give his last name. And uh, Jonathan was a light in the britches. Y'all know what I mean by that. <clears throat> he was a little girly, and uh, and he he didn't like the way Brother Joe did things. Brother Joe's old school. Brother Joe's old time King James, straight as an arrow, got a backbone like you wouldn't believe. He wasn't scared of nothing. And uh, and Jonathan on Wednesday nights would take the young people in the fellowship hall, and they would go back there and have youth night. Well, Brother Joe went back there one day. He's walking around the fellowship hall, and he seen the VCR sitting there with the power button on, and he pushed the eject button, and it was a Hollywood movie come shooting out of that thing, and he found out that they've been back there watching PG and R-rated movies on Wednesday night. Well, selfishness in a church is never a good thing. It turned, and listen, you could say, well, if they had liberty to watch any movie they wanted to, it's all safe. That's not how that works. Y'all seen that commercial? That's not how any of this works. <laughs> it don't work that way. Amen. Listen, they were taking it. He was taking advantage of the church. He was taking advantage of believers. Why? Because he had a gripe with the preacher, and he was trying to bite and devour the preacher, and he was using the youth to get to him. Biting and devouring. You know. If you want to see some action, put two selfish people together and watch. They'll tear one another to pieces. They'll consume each other. I remember hearing the story years ago about crab fishing. They said when you catch crabs, he said if you got a bucket, you can throw a crab over in there. You got to watch that crab; you'll crawl out. You, you got to put a lid on it. If you throw one crab in the bucket, you'll crawl out. He said, but if you throw another one in there, you don't have to put the lid back on. It. Because the way crabs work, one of them will try to crawl out of the bucket, and the other said, uh-uh, he'll reach in front and pull him right back down in there. So you can put as many crabs as you want to. One tries to crawl out, they'll all pull the other one back down. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They won't let anybody grow. They just want to keep pulling everybody back down. That's not how God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to bite and devour each other. Amen. He wants us to love one another and help one another and encourage one another to grow. Amen. He, he calls us to help one another and be a joy to one another, not to bite and devour one another like wild animals. You know, and again, Christ amongst brethren, if they continue, are likely to destroy both. Brethren, I say, believers. If believers get into it, they're going to tear each other's Christian life up. And understand this too. God's churches, God's churches can't be destroyed from the outside. God's church has divine perpetuity. That means God will keep it going. The only way a church can be destroyed is by the members on the inside. That's it. That is the only way. All right, let's keep going. We're almost done. All right. He teaches them that they should strive against sin. This is the second point. That's the second thing I told you. I told you there were two of them. He's teaching them that they should strive. We're to love one another. We should strive against sin. And we'd be so much better off. We'd be so much more joyful in our life. We'd have so much more victory in our life. If instead of biting and devouring one another on account of different opinions, people would just set themselves against sin in themselves in the places where they live. Just instead of worrying about what so-and-so is doing over here and what she's doing and what he's doing, if we focus on the person in the mirror and, and put all our time and effort into trying to live the power of God, not by our own power, but by submitting ourselves to the Lord and turning our, ourselves over to him and confessing our sins and asking for God's 
Holy Spirit to work in us and bring about victory in our life. If we would focus on us and quit worrying about what other people are doing, oh, we'd get some victory. We'd get some victory. The real fight's in the mirror. And that ought to be our top priority is to deal with that person in the mirror. And Paul tries to help us understand, and he gives us some help with it. Verses 17 here. He tells us that there's that there's a struggle in everybody between the flesh and the spirit. Verse 17, for the flesh and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So they're against each other constantly. So that you cannot do the things that you would. And the flesh, which is our corrupt part and our carnal part of us, which your flesh ain't saved and my flesh ain't saved. Ain't nobody's flesh saved. Jesus didn't die to save our flesh. He died to save our soul. So our flesh is never going to be redeemed until it's brand new and made over. Amen? And as long as it, uh, between now and the grave, our flesh ain't going to get no better. It's going, it ain't going to do nothing but get worse. And 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 that flesh lusts. And it, it, even though you got saved, your flesh continues to lust, which means it's continuing to, to fight and strive and struggle with strength and stubbornness. you got to understand, your flesh is strong, and your flesh is hard-headed. It don't give up. It, 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 it's easy. And, it, and what is it struggling and fighting against? It's fighting against your spirit that God's Holy Spirit brought to life in you. The part of you that responds directly to God, the part of you that, that honors God, the part of you that worships God, the part of you that fellowships with God, your flesh says, I don't like that part of you. It gets in my way. And the Spirit says, I don't like you. You hinder my walk with God. And so there's a battle going on inside of you. Everything the Spirit of God does in you, your flesh resists it, every bit of it. Your flesh don't want you reading the Bible. Your flesh don't want you praying. Your flesh don't want you spending time with other believers. Your flesh wants to do what your flesh wants to do, and that's all. Your flesh is a selfish, rotten person, and mine is too. Don't take offense. I'm telling you the truth. We all, our flesh, wasn't no count. That's why it needed to be saved. And on the other hand, your spirit, that's a little S, not a big S. Your spirit, which is the, the part of you that was made new when you got saved, it fights back against the flesh. It opposes the will of the flesh. It opposes the desire of the flesh. It says, no, we only do what God wants. So what happens is, Paul says, that you cannot do the things that you would. Romans seven twenty through 25. Paul said, now, if I do that, I would not. If I do the thing I don't want to do, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. What you saying, Paul? He's saying, if I do something that is out of character for me, it isn't me that chose to do it. It's my flesh that had a desire to do it because my flesh wants to do the wrong thing. And he said, I find a law then. That when I when I would do good, when I I want I want to I want to get have a good day today. I want to live for God today. That evil's present with me. Y'all all seen the little angel on his shoulder, little devil on his shoulder. That's a representation of what Paul's saying here. It's a bad representation, but it's still a representation. He's saying that little devil's sitting on my shoulder, saying, "Come on, let's go have some fun. Let's go get in some trouble. It'll be all right." And Paul. 
Paul Paul knows this. He's he 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 says, you know, it, it's there. It's there with me. It's it's gnawing at me. It's, it's aggravating me. He said, because I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What is he saying? Because I got saved, the Spirit of God now lives in me, and the part of God that lives in me, it, it created a delight in me for the things of God that I didn't have before I got saved. Now I love the things of God. I want to do right. I want to please God. I want to do right. On the inside, I want to do right so bad. He said, but I see another law in my members. That's in my flesh. I see this other law in my flesh, and it's at war. It's warring against the law of my mind. I know in my mind, my spirit says, hey, you need to serve God. But my flesh says, uh-uh, and there's a battle going on between the two. And in my flesh, he said, it's bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, hard as I try, I still fall down. That's what Paul's saying. I'm the apostle Paul. I know all this stuff to be true, and yet I still fall down. That's what he's saying. You ain't going to find a perfect preacher nowhere. I think that's why preachers' kids have such a hard time because their daddies are not perfect, although they preach a perfect message. Amen. Out of a perfect Bible. Amen. <clears throat> They're not perfect, and so the contradiction is there. The wife looks at the husband and says, well, "You're not perfect. You preach all that, but you ain't perfect." No, we're not perfect. The congregation should look at the pastor and say, "Well, you're supposed to be perfect. You ain't. I ain't perfect. I'm just as bad as the rest of y'all. I just preach the truth. I know the truth." I try to walk in it, but I know that, listen, I ain't, I ain't no better than anybody else. Because that law works on me too. And you know what Paul said in the next verse? He said, oh, wretched man that I am. And when I look in the mirror, you know what I feel like? I'm a wretched man too. The best I try, Paul, sure. That's why I needed a Savior to begin with. And he asked right after that, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It's not my soul. It's not my spirit. It's this body. This body. This this whole dead body I keep dragging around everywhere I go. This body that wants to fight me every time I try to do something right. It just keeps on aggravating me. And who's going to rescue me from this body? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Because why? Because sin heals. I thank God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus set me free. Jesus set me in the liberty that I have. Amen. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. I know what's right. And in my mind, I want to do what God wants. But the flesh, with the flesh, the law of sin. So I know I'm going to be in a battle as long as I'm in this body, Paul says. It's a battle. And we're in that battle. You're in that battle. I'm in that battle. And if you didn't know you were in that battle, that's why you're so defeated all the time, because you hadn't started fighting back. That's why you stay defeated. We have to keep striving against sin in the Spirit of God, not in our strength, not in our intellect, but in the Spirit of God. You say, how do you do that? Well, the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's a weapon. And when you use it to fight back against the devil, it gouges him, and it and it and it turns him backward. <clears throat> and it's our duty. It's our duty to fight back. It's it's in our interest and it is our duty to struggle to struggle against sin and to side with truth and right. It's our duty to side with our convictions against our corruptions. I'm, you say, well, I, I, you don't know all my problems. Well, you may have problems, but you got convictions too, and you know what's what's right and you know what's wrong. 
Don't side with what's wrong and it's going to do it. Side with your convictions and say, I know better than that. God told me and showed me that's better. And it's better to walk with him than to do that. We ought to side with grace rather than lust. And Paul, Paul represents this as our duty, and he directs us to have success in it. Now, what should we do so we can get better? He gives us one general rule, and if we'll observe it, it'll be the best remedy we ever had for the corruption in our lives. It's very simple. It's right there in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to understand. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit of the living God who condescends to live and dwell in the hearts of men who he's renewed and regenerated and sanctified. He's there to guide us and to assist us in the way of living and how to serve God. You can't figure those things out on your own. You need the Spirit of God to guide you and teach you and help you to do those things. He, he's there to ignite the hunger and thirst for righteousness in the soul of men and women, boys and girls. And, 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 the, and that, that hunger and thirst for righteousness lusts against the flesh. When you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and you have a lust for the flesh, those things, are, those things battle against one another. And as the songwriter puts it, here's here's what we're to do. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If we'll walk in the Spirit, if if we'll make Jesus the focus of our life, if if we'll just let him have control of us, not only would it be the best means of keeping us from fulfilling the laws of uh, the lust of the flesh, but it'll also be good evidence to everybody else around us that we're Christians, which is what we ought to be showing other people. Amen? It doesn't do us any good to be God's secret agents in this world. Amen? We're not to be covert Christians. We're to live for Jesus out loud. It ought to be noticeable by people that we have something about us that's different from the rest of this world. Amen? And and Paul says in verse 18, he says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. It was like he'd said, you need to expect a struggle between the flesh and spirit as long as you're in the world. That the flesh will be lusting against the spirit as well as the spirit against the flesh. But if over the course of your lives you begin to be led by the Spirit, if you begin to act under the guidance of the Holy Ghost, and that, and, and, and of that spiritual nature and disposition that the Holy Ghost brings to life in you. If you'll make the Word of God your rule and the grace of God your principle for living, it'll appear to everybody, you ain't living under the law. You're under grace. Man, you've got victory and joy in your life. You're not beat down and worried all the time. There's no joy in I can lose my salvation. There's only joy when you know it's forever. You're not under the condemning part of it, even though you're still under the commanding part of it, the commanding power of it. Listen to Romans 8, 3. 
for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In verse 14, that same chapter, and we're done. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I thank God this morning that back 40-something years ago, I put my trust and my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in what the law could do, but in the fact that he had fulfilled it for me. And I put my faith in him, and he washed me clean. He saved me, and I'm secure and saved. And I'm safe in the fact that he, he has saved me forever. Can't nothing ever change that. Can't nothing ever go back. Can't ever go back from that. Amen? I have liberty. And if you're saved here this morning, you've got liberty. Don't ever let the devil stand and try to tell you that, that, that you've got to go back and do this or go back and do that to, in order to, to get, get to God because Christ has made the way clear all the way to the throne. Amen? There's liberty and joy, and we ought to live it and show other people around us what Christ has done in our lives. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in just a moment. I think it's 197, if I'm not mistaken. 157. 157. 157. Jesus paid it all, and he did. It's all faithful. Amen? And all we got to do is believe and trust. Amen? And walk in it. Amen? 157. One hundred and fifty seven. Father, I thank you for this this day. I thank you, Lord, for the message. Thank you, Lord, for salvation by grace through faith. Father, I pray for everyone on the side of my voice. Lord, if there's somebody listening in, Lord, maybe just trusted Christ, you're just about to. Father, I rejoice and I thank you. Lord, I pray for each and every one out there listening. Lord, maybe there's been some people listening who weren't sure about whether or not they were secure in their salvation, Lord, I hope they've gotten, uh, they've gotten security by it. Lord, I pray, Father, we'll be reminded. Lord, our, our life matters, and people are watching us. They want to see what we got real. And Lord God, I pray, Father, that, that Father, folks will understand that. We're, the, we're not to walk in our strength trying to please you according to our strength. Lord, we're to honor you and walk in holiness and walk in, in righteousness according to your spirit and by the power of your spirit. Lord, if we do that, our lives will matter. Our lives will count. We'll use it for your glory. And then bring glory to you and people will come to Christ to it. Lord, please help us to be a blessing for our lives to matter. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.